Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Timothy Lin, and this is Egoless Leadership Training. I focus on helping frontline and middle managers build better relationships with their team members and hope to bring more meaning and authenticity into the workplace. Hi, everyone. This week, we're going to be talking about understanding and dissolving ego aggression. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the root of ego aggression and this particular ego dynamic, uh, where it comes from and why. And today, we're going to be looking more deeply at understanding it and actually learning how to dissolve this, becoming more aware of its patterns and the actual ego structure of this kind of aggression in our personality. So the question of how to stop the ego's compulsive seeking of external power and how to reconnect with our own intrinsic natural power requires us to turn inward and face our wounding this is not an easy task and requires a tremendous amount of compassion, steadfastness, and support. And at first, this may seem like an impossible endeavor. How do we stop something so automatic as the ego's reactivity and compulsion? So the answer, while it's simple, requires patience, compassion, vulnerability, and no small amount of courage. And if we look at the component of the ego structure as layers of an onion, we can start by becoming more fully aware of each layer until we reach the core. And the core is the actual ego deficiency. It's what we've lost contact with, which in this case is the loss of intrinsic power. So the first layer of the ego structure is what we've examined in previous weeks, uh, behaviors and reactions of the ego. So in this case, we're examining ego aggression, which manifests in distinct patterns. And generally, ego aggression pushes its intensity into another person. So either with the volume of the voice, um, you know, people who have a high degree of ego aggression tend to be too physically close or energetically big and take up a lot of space. So when they're in the room, you can always typically feel someone there. So if we pay attention to the actual felt experience of ego aggression, we might notice the compulsion to slam someone energetically, to put someone down, to seize power, to uh, force others to do what we want. We might notice the compulsion also to expand our sphere of influence, to grab power, to acquire more money, to be more influential in order to exercise more control. And we may also notice that when we become more aware of ego aggression, there's also a lack of sensitivity toward others. 
and a tendency to dismiss how others might feel. And obviously this can happen in uh, varying degrees. But even when I was in business development and running pitches, there was a degree of ego aggression that I experienced in just wanting to get the job done, to get it done how I wanted it to be done uh, because I felt helpless. There's that sense of helplessness again that's the core of um, ego aggression, this uh, sense of not having access to intrinsic power. So by first recognizing and acknowledging these patterns, we start to open the possibility of examining why we're reacting the way we are and why we're behaving the way we are. So if we become skilled enough at recognizing these patterns, we can pause to question and understand more of how we're feeling in these moments. And the first barrier that will likely come up at this point is the inner critic. So I've talked about this a lot in other podcasts, other posts. I have a full inner critic intensive that helps people acknowledge this and disarm and disengage from the inner critic. But in short, this is the mechanism in our psyche that's tasked with maintaining the ego self-image. So if we remember that ego aggression constellates around the feeling of powerlessness, it's easier to see why the inner critic judges vulnerability so harshly in this context of ego aggression. So in this case, we mistakenly equate powerlessness with vulnerability. Because vulnerability from the ego's perspective has to do with sensitivity, with tenderness. But most of all, it equates vulnerability with the ability to be hurt. So the inner critic's message for types that have high ego aggression will judge along the lines of don't show weakness or someone else will take advantage of you. Don't rely on others because it will make you weak. You have to take control or else nothing will happen. Don't be vulnerable because someone will hurt you. And remember, the worldview of ego aggression is that the world is inherently dangerous and doesn't support you. It's not for you. It's against you. And so the inner critic is there as a survival mechanism for us never to be so vulnerable as to be taken advantage of. But... If we can disengage from the inner critic enough to question it, we may, we may see that not every situation requires a heightened need for control. So in other words, not every relationship is one that's going to hurt you. Not everybody's out to get you. And showing vulnerability may not actually be a show of weakness. So this is a really courageous act for those of us who experience ego aggression as our primary defense. And it's this attempt to become aware of the inner critic and to stop believing its program that's going to start to set us free. 
because the programming itself was developed to keep you safe and has, up until now, done a fairly good job at it. And obviously the issue with inner critic programming is that it's old and outdated. It doesn't have new code that's updated for life today. So if we're able to create enough space for the inner critic, we can reach the next layer of the ego structure, which is the ego's sense of self. And with ego aggression, um, people generally view themselves as strong, assertive, a go-getter with lots of self-reliance. This is the self-image of somebody who has a high degree of ego aggression and is using ego aggression as their pr primary way of operating. Um, all of that, in a sense, is fine and good, except that the more rigid egos will have more difficulty accessing their emotional life. So that's the cost. That when we are generally relying on ego aggression, we sacrifice our ability to contact our emotions. Because, like we've talked about, the barrier of invulnerability denies any show of emotion and cuts someone off from the vital energy of emotions and our natural sense of emotional intelligence. And we can see this with leaders who don't have access to their own emotional life. They fail to acknowledge and consider the emotional life of others. They lack emotional intelligence. They lack empathy. And when we lack these things, we're not able to pick up on really important signals of what the people around us are showing us. So it's worth calling out that the attitude the ego has about feelings and emotions, you know, specifically in this case, you know, ego aggression doesn't, doesn't really value emotions. So the ego actually views them as dangerous and a sign of weakness. So it's something to be avoided at all costs, according to the ego. And this orientation is really ingrained in the ego's sense of self. So the more that we are identified with this hardness, and again, this doesn't go for everybody because some egos and some of us actually don't have a high degree of ego aggression. But for those of us that do, for, you know, if you're somebody who tends toward ego aggression, tends toward bluntness, tends toward insensitivity, the, there's a hardness that the invulnerability forms and um, there's an intensity of the aggression the more that we're stuck in believing this ego version's version of reality. So the ego becomes primarily imbued with ego aggression and believes that the world's against them and is always a threat. So what happens when we believe that? We think that we have to project strength and aggression and uh, that often comes in the form of unconscious and preemptive strikes, especially actually when we're feeling the potential that we're going to be hurt, that tendency to want to strike first.
as a way to protect. And usually people who have high degrees of ego aggression actually strike out first, but not appropriately, not, they kind of overdo it because um, they're really not in touch with the wounding that they're trying to avoid. So what's required here is to fully and clearly see the ego sense of self is the willingness to consider that you know being strong and protected doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be invulnerable so this ego's image of strength and what it thinks strength is uh, really constitutes a seizing of power and using that power against another so there's a hidden sense here that others are against them that this is ingrained with those who have this predominant ego dynamic um, and they identify as being the protector either protector of themselves or protector of people who they have decided that they're going to protect people close to them so if we can acknowledge the possibility that there's actually something much larger, much greater, bigger, and more unifying than us, um, in other words, something that has more ground and reality, something that we are innately connected to, which, as we've talked about in previous weeks, is the power that we've lost contact with. Um, and when we open to the possibility of having lost contact to it and open to the possibility of um, putting down the defense of ego aggression, we can start to open to the next layer of the ego structure, which is the core difficulty of the ego aggression. So when we unwind from the rigid identification with the ego is strong, you know, strong, quote unquote, meaning invulnerable, this kind of hardness, this impenetrability. Uh, when we begin to put that down and when we start to allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to experience ourselves as we are, instead of as our ego image, we'll likely come to some point where we experience powerlessness which has been the core deficiency and the core difficulty of this ego dynamic the entire time we can see that when we feel powerless the defense that comes in is ego aggression you know this sense that the world is not safe and so we really have to fight our way through it so this coming back into contact with our powerlessness is a really sensitive experience. It's really can be painful and excruciating um, since in some way it's been torn away from us. And for those who use ego aggression as the primary defense, they've made, they've kind of made the conclusion that it is a hard and unjust world and that we have to fight against it and it's very attached to that view 
And so the ego's tendency will always be to avoid that experience of having been in some way torn from our essential power. Um, you know, and, and this takes a great deal of support and compassion and capacity and mindfulness to stay with this sense of powerlessness and the pain that comes with it. Um, and the very experience of powerlessness is what the ego was built and born from. It was basically developed to avoid this experience. But if we stay with this experience, if we stay with the vulnerability, if we stay with compassion, and we might start to experience in that vulnerability a reconnection to our true and essential nature. So this is an experience of ourselves that is not the ego's image of itself. It's not the ego's hardness. It's not the ego's aggression, not the ego's intensity. It's not this image of strength that we're trying to project. Instead, we can experience in the vulnerability a profound and natural sense of power because it's relaxed. We're finally relaxing into who we are and who we can be. Instead of trying to avoid this sense of deficiency within us where we just don't feel like we have any power. But you can see that ego aggression is kind of fake, sort of faking this projection of power. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't feel we don't feel very powerful if we really allow ourselves to be in this experience and just let ourselves relax into it. So this coming back into connection with our natural sense of power also has an innate sense of connection, not just to ourselves, but to the rest of the world. And the reality that, in fact, the world is all connected, is all unified, is all one thing, that there's a goodness that supports everything, even though on the outside it may not look like that. So in this experience, we might come across some recognition of the core belief that the ego had taken on, you know, this the root of the conclusion that we made that someone or something will take advantage of you and hurt you. And the more we allow this vulnerability to be present, the more connected we become to the truth that there is both a spiritual and physical reality, that they're one and the same, they're unified, they're connected, there's nothing that can remove us from it, and there's nothing to be taken away from it, so that there is no reason to fight. There's nothing to fight against. And so the ego's core belief here is, uh, is you know, we start to see that as false, something that we had bought into. 
and something that actually took us away from our authenticity, our beingness, our natural sense of power. Um, and it's not like anything that ego aggression has tried to project. It's actually the real thing. Okay, so that's it for today and for this week. I hope you enjoyed that deep dive. Uh, next week, I'm going to be setting some kind of vision for what the shift from ego aggression to more of a culture of empathy is going to look like and what it can look like once we collectively see through ego aggression as a primary defense and transition and shift into realizing and acknowledging our own intrinsic and inherent power. So I hope you stay tuned for that and let me know if you guys have any questions. Find me at www.egolessleaders.com. Hi everyone, if you enjoyed this content, please consider subscribing to my content vault on egolistleaders.com where I post new content every week about ego dynamics and how we can transform both individually and collectively to be as authentic as possible in the way we live and work.